you're listening to the private citizen defending your right to have something to hide this is episode 70 70 for wednesday the 19th of may 2021 targeting your citizens with spyware hello everybody welcome to the podcast my name is fab i'm coming to you live as usual from the city of Düsseldorf in Germany, where we are having an extremely rainy May. Very, very rainy, but I'm sure somehow it'll turn out to be the driest year on record yet again. Trollalolalol. Somehow that always happens. Anyway, today you're here um, to listen to me, and I'm going to talk about a new German law. Um, we talked about the uh, crypto wars a lot on this podcast, and this is another episode in the crypto war series so to speak um, if you go to privatecitizen.press uh, the, the, you will find the show notes copy show notes for every episode and there's always tags and there's a crypto wars tag and if you click on that you'll find all the episodes I talked about the crypto wars before um, this time the German government is doing uh, something called well it's always been called that lawful interception it's a new law where they basically um, if they can't they can't crack encryption if they can't outlaw it they're just going to put a trojan on your phone and uh, get the message contents that way. Uh, and I want to do more of that, and I want to have the intelligence services do that. So I'm going to explain that today. Um, I'm going to explain uh, what the German intelligence services are, because chances are you're listening to this from the US or China or Hungary or who the fuck else, and you will have no idea. And all the words, it, I mean, the German intelligence service names are almost as bad as the Danish intelligence service names. So uh, get that done. I got some errata. I got something really wrong last episode. I have to apologize for that. Uh, and then uh, a lot of feedback, a lot of feedback. And we, of, of course, I'm recording this live on Twitch uh, as, as usual, and there'll probably be some live feedback on the show. Um, but we also have some email feedback and some matrix feedback. There's a, there's a lot of stuff uh, to get through. So um, let's do that. But before we get into the show, I want, I want to mention something really cool, which has nothing to do with this show. Uh, but I have a blog. I write at fab.industries. That's kind of my freelancer journalism site. And that's my, my blog on there. And uh, so I was listening to Security Now, and Steve Gibson recommended this, this book series called The Frontier Saga, which is may it's going to be, if the guy manages to finish it, it's going to be uh, five arcs of 15 books each. He already has 30 books written. He wrote like 30 books in the last uh, 10 years. And they're proper proper books like they're 200 to 300 pages it's massive it's amazing this guy is like reverse uh, george r. r martin he just writes like the wind it's really cool it's like it's not hard sci-fi but it's like a space opera it's really cool so steve gibson was recommending this i start i read the first book and i was like this is great so i wrote a little review of it um which i just you know sent to steve on twitter because i was like ah, oh, this uh, i gave him credit in the uh, in the in the blog post as well and i thought well why not and so it turns out I am so the, the latest episode of Security Now as I'm recording this is 819. Turns out I haven't listened to it yet, but um, I looked at the show notes and apparently I am the link. Like my blog post is the uh, shortcut of the week, and he even quoted it on the show, which is pretty cool. I just wanted to mention that um, Security Now is the second podcast I ever listened to. Um, so I've listened to it from the beginning. There was a while when I didn't listen to it because um, not because of the show. Um, I love Steve; he's, he's great. But like I was, um, I was doing uh, security writing um, full time, and um, I was just like you know I was writing about everything. So 
that as it was going on. So, you know, Steve was basically recapping everything I had wrote about the previous week. And uh, at some point I had to listen, stop listening to the show. I couldn't take it. Like I just, it was just too much. I was spending like my whole day, every day of the week writing about this shit and then getting it recapped in my free time was like, I can't do this. Um, but I'm listening to it again. So pretty cool. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of proud of that. I think, um, I think that's, that's pretty awesome. But anyway, let's get, uh, let's, let's get, yeah, I don't want to bore you with my blog post. Let's get into the, into the show. Um, because first of all, I have to, uh, <laughs> I have to give a little Mia culpa here. And as Harry Wotana says on uh, on in Twitch chat, that's enough books to destroy my private life. Yeah, it is. Um, they're really easy to read, though. Like I, I compared them in the uh, in the blog post to the Expanse, and uh, while I love the Expanse, the Expanse can be hard going sometimes. This is just like you. Re- it's like pulp. It's like um, if you read Warhammer, it's like the Warhammer books. It's just like you can read them all. I, I and I didn't read enough, so I was like, um, I have a new regimen. I, I um, you know, basically made for myself where I'm reading. I'm trying to read about an hour before I go to bed or in bed. And then I write, try to read about an hour again um, during breakfast when I'm still, I'm not awake anyway enough to like, you know, write or work. So I'm just going to sit in there with my coffee. And instead of like just watching silly YouTube videos, I'm, I'm reading now, which, which which worked out great for me. But anyway, enough of that. Irata. So uh, last week in the episode uh, 69, I was talking about the Gemini protocol. And I said something that was really, really dumb. I said uh, that Gemini uses only UDP connections. I think I read that somewhere. I don't know it. In my brain, I think that you know, sometimes you read, or I don't know if you have that because, but I read all day, right? I read for my, I, I constantly read stuff, and it must have switched something in my brain. It's of course dumb. I should have caught it on the episode. I caught it like the day after I'd released the podcast in the morning. I was like, what did, what the hell did you say? Because I was going to look up like how that works with UDP, and we're going to look up specifics about UDP, and it's of course dumb. Because I also said that Gemini uh, uses, um, uses only TLS encrypted connections. That's the that, that's like a basis of the protocol. And a TLS, of course, uses TCP. You can't use TLS over UDP because TLS kind of needs that, you know, that, um, I don't know, what would they call that? Um, like the connection needs to be trustworthy, whatever it is. Like it needs to be, you know, you need to be sure that you're not losing any packets when you're doing like encrypted shit generally. Uh, so, of course, Gemini uses TCP. Because it uses TLS, and um, I don't know how I messed that up, um, but uh, I don't know where I got this stupid idea from. I just wanted to clarify that and apologize to everybody. <laughs> that that was a brain fart on my on my part, and and because you know the show is all about you know you telling me things when I do get things wrong, and I'm correcting myself if I get things wrong. I think that's that's very important. Um, I don't want to have this. Um, in, in traditional broadcasting, I don't know what it's called in other languages, um, but in German, uh, if you've ever been on TV or radio, uh, there's this thing, um, the journalists that work there, um, they say, uh, das versendet sich. So this is kind of, I don't know how to translate it. It would be kind of like it broadcasts itself away. The idea is you, you're sending, you're broadcasting so much stuff that if you make a mistake, you know, people just forget about it. Um, and uh, while that, you know, Yes, that I mean that's the only way you can. It's not. It's not so much that these guys don't want to, um, 
don't want to fess up to their mistakes but like if you start correcting all the mistakes you make especially during a live show you'd just be if you're if you're just broadcasting 24 7 you'd just be uh you know just be swamped um but i'm not doing that i'm doing an episode a week so i think uh, i i want to i want to give credit where credit's due and i also want to correct my mistakes it's really important to me anyway so that's the errata out of the way let's get into the main topic here topic uh being as i already said uh, another chapter in the crypto war saga now in episode 49 which was in last november um i talked about the crypto wars and explained it a little bit and you know and i also talked about le- legislation that is basically being prepared in a lot of western countries uh to outlaw end-to-end encrypted messenger communications because the police is kind of like we need to find the bad guys. They're using encryption tools. Uh, obviously, encryption tools are bad. We need to outlaw them. Now, um, it's kind of in some countries, and Germany being one of them, uh, there are like vocal groups of people in Germany, uh, mostly the Chaos Computer Club, the CCC, um, which do have some pull with government officials and politicians and they read their stuff and these guys are obviously nerds and they know how things work they're like kind of our crowd and um they're kind of constantly telling these guys dude you can't just outlawing it's like out outlawing um hammers because you can kill somebody with a hammer that would mean you can you can't like fucking put nails in the wall anymore and the bad guys are going to use encryption anyway like if you're outlawing this i mean if you're talking like terrorists or um uh, career criminals they they don't care if something's out i mean they're beyond the law anyway so um so then the next idea uh, is something that um in germany we often call uh, lawful interception uh, which is um the idea is okay so you can't you can't outlaw encryption you can't crack it so what we're going to do um is so encryption very quickly just to recap that in case you're new to the podcast and you to this whole um idea um if you have end-to-end encryption encrypted messaging um let's say um you have a phone i have a phone and we have end-to-end encryption right then i tap something on my phone it gets encrypted on my phone sent to your phone you decrypt it and nobody in the middle, no server, no service provider, no app developer, if it works correctly, can read that. Now, of course, when it arrives on your phone, um, your phone will have to decrypt it to show it on the screen. Uh, now, if somebody puts a Trojan on your phone, put some spyware on your phone, they can exfiltrate the data at the moment where it's shown to you, you know, where it's decrypted in memory. Um, so that's like the new idea now. That's that what what we, what are we gonna do? Um, if we can't put backdoors and encryption or anything like this, what we're gonna do is we're gonna put a trojan on your phone and then get the uh, clear text that way. Um, essentially, I also talked about this in episode thirty-two when I talked about the EncroChat network, which was these encrypted phones that were used by criminals, and that's how law enforcement did it there. Um, they basically didn't crack the encryption. They uh, either that stuff on the server or you can do it on the individual phones and the german government uh, is currently um well there's a law that's being prepared to be discussed in parliament which is pretty much a done deal because we have a we have a um, a large coalition you know a um the government coalition has uh, uh has 
is is so unified on things and has so many um uh, parliamentarians in their ranks you know the, the they have they have enough votes in the bundestag that they're just gonna you know it's law is going to be discussed and that's going to be passed that's what's been happening for years now in germany um that's how the you know the infectionsschutzgesetz i talked about the COVID laws basically in germany how they got passed um there wasn't even anybody there was like one guy in parliament from from one party that's now really small uh, in, in the COVID case the fdp the uh, liberals are basically uh, the main guy from christian lindner who's generally a jackass but who's been like the only guy speaking out against this who, who even criticized it there wasn't even a discussion going on um and this is going to be pretty much the same way here i, I guess the green party is going to be against this as well maybe um we don't know but it doesn't matter because they're going to put this through before the next election which is in september so we can basically assume that this law is going to be passed if it's passed i'm probably going to talk about it on the show again but i'm not going to explain it i'm going to explain it to you now because this is basically what what is probably going to be passed now uh, since i'm talking about german laws today uh, there are lots of the links in the show notes are in german uh, in case you speak german otherwise i'm gonna you know basically summarize the information t- to you um if anybody's listening um who has you know if, if something's happening where you live that is comparable to this please let me know about this of course there's always contact details go to privatecitizen.press um in the header of the site there's like a, there's a contact link right up the top um next to the episode listing uh, link and it it'll uh, it'll get you uh, to uh, ways to contact me please do that because i'm very interested in what's going on where you are and am i going to talk about that in a future episode um but in Germany, um, this law that currently um, that's basically going to be passed, them that they want to discuss, um, will make it uh, legal for intelligence services in Germany to basically put spyware um, or what we in Germany call a Staatstrojaner. Wait after Staatstrojaner, jawohl, jawohl, Kapitän, Staatstrojaner. Staatstrojaner means a state Trojan. Uh, that's what they call it. You know, uh, a state-sanctioned Trojan. They want to put that on your phone or on people's phones that they deem suspicious, I guess. Um, and uh, then they they can spy on apps like WhatsApp, Signal, Threema, uh, but also VoIP calls. This is going to be uh, used for VoIP calls, which is all telephone calls pretty much, as far as I can tell. And uh, video meetings, of course, which has become massively important in the last few months, obviously, for obvious reasons. Um, but before, in, before I get into more details, um, <laughs> State Trojan sounds like something the government would fuck up uh, fuck you what would fuck you with for sure well i'm going to they also fuck it up i'm going to talk about that later um what seven was, was saying this in twitch chat um I'm, yeah i'm going to talk a little bit about the history of these things in germany which which do not inspire confidence but before we get into all these details i want to want to give you a quick overview over the three german intelligence services so that you know what we're talking about so in germany there are three intelligence services uh the bundesamt für verfassungsschutz uh, often just called Verfassungsschutz, which is long enough, the BFV, uh, the Bundesnachrichtendienst, uh, the BND, and der Militärische Abschirmdienst, jawohl, uh, the MAD. This is a great acronym, it's the MAD. So the uh, Bundesamt für Verfassungsschutz is the internal intelligence service of Germany. It is. Um, it also has, interestingly enough, separate agencies on the federal state level, and these are usually part of the police 
apparatus of the federal state. And uh, the Verfassungsschutz is tasked with basically spying on people uh, within the borders of Germany. And their mandate is, according to the uh, Constitution, uh, to, to you know, um, check on people who, quote, endanger the constitutional order. And that's why they're called Verfassungsschutz. Verfassung is the Constitution, and uh, Schutz means uh, defense. So it's like the Constitutional Defense Service. Um, but also on people who uh, endanger the, uh, you know, the, the rule of law um, in the country. And uh, as, as I just say that, I see I, uh, I, I skipped. The, this, this happens all the time. Um, so the little behind this, I'm not, I'm not cutting these out anymore. So um, I just, as I'm reading this, I noticed I made a, a spelling mistake in the, in the uh, show notes. And since I'm doing this live to tape and I really don't want to edit it, I'm just going to fix this live on the show. So there are tasked with uh, uh, spying on people in within Germany who endangered the constitutional order and... The rule of law. The rule of law uh, of the country. Uh, so that's basically, you know, they, they, in Germany there's been huge, um, um, like, controversies, especially on the Verfassungsschutz, because obviously they spy on Germans in Germany. And um, so the, the left often talks about, and I think they have a, they have a case uh, that the Verfassungsschutz uh, does not um, look after the right, the new right enough. Uh, there's been lots of scandals where basically it's been figured out that half of the all, all the people in the right basically uh, informants for the Verfassungsschutz that they're actually organizing shit and um, that they're, they're they're much more happy to spy after like left terror groups in air quotes and like the right wing ones you know there was famously there was a right wing terror group in germany um of people who, who organized uh, got together and and shot immigrants and that wasn't like the police wasn't doing uh, any job at all to figure this out for years and then they fucked up the trial and it's like it's 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 really bad um uh, Mord 7 says, that is interesting, the domestic spying spilled into the German constitution, that is why the NSA programs in the US are so controversial that it is unconstitutional. Well, um, yes, the problem is um, the NSA does something very different than the, the Verfassungsschutz. The mandate of the Verfassungsschutz is built into the constitution, but under very, very different circumstances. It's also not worded um, like spying. So... Um, you have a good case in Germany as well that the that what the NSA was doing, which was mass surveillance, surveillance would be illegal in Germany as well. Um, you have to understand that the German constitution is a very, I mean, all constitutions are a historic product, but the German constitution is a historic product of World War II. And it is the one of the uh, raison d'etre of the Verfassungsschutz for... Um, you know, its its reason for being is that it was specifically tasked with, um, you know, uh, defending the constitution against right wing uh, attacks, right? And against something um, like, you know, Hitler's seizure of power happening again. Um, and 
it is it is a very controversial intelligence service. It is often also not seen in Germany like an intelligence service. It would be probably most be comparable to the FBI, um, which is uh, is somewhat. Um, okay, the FBI is is specifically a federal service, but the way it operates in the actual states in the U.S. is somewhat like the Verfassungsschutz operates in our federal states, and. As similar to the Verfassungsschutz, the FBI is often not seen in the public eye and in the press as an intelligence service. It is often seen as a police investigative service. And it's all, it brands itself that way, way very much. And the Verfassungsschutz does the same in Germany. Um, so the Verfassungsschutz has this whole thing going of basically saying, they're not saying this, but you know, basically they're putting out propaganda that the BND is the evil spy service and they're just an arm of the police. Um, and you know, I've, I've talked to people who work for the Verfassungsschutz, mostly on the state level. Um, I uh, had a guy I, I talked a lot about for some time. Um, who worked for the Verfassungsschutz and their point of view is, um, for example, they do a lot of industrial espionage stuff. And like one thing he always said that um, one of the upsides of having the Verfassungsschutz is that in Germany, the police is by law required to investigate um crime so in Germany, obviously we have a Roman law system, so we have civil law and, and we have um criminal law civil law being you know companies suing each other people suing each other criminal law being you have a crime and if you have a crime the police the state has to investigate this and that's one of the downsides of the police the well if you're an investigator right the police can't do certain things um for example they can't um they can't do what police in the u.s does a lot which is like they get like a small time so if they have a, like, let's say they have a crime organization, right? They have a, let's say they're building a RICO case or whatever. They take like, you know, if you've ever seen uh, Sons of Anarchy, you know what I mean. They take like small-time criminals and by basically bust them and then give them deals to like be informants or, you know, help out in the investigation against the big guys. Um, now, in Germany, there's lots of limits you can do that because if you have somebody and you arrest them for a crime, you have to prosecute that crime. You can't go, ah, oh, he's just a small fish. We want to get the big guys. Now, the Verfassungsschutz, they can do that. They they don't operate under the um, under this same umbrella, right? They're not the police specifically. They're an intelligence service. They can go, we know that you did this. We They can basically even kind of blackmail you right they can do this thing with like we we know um you are guilty of a crime but we, we're not going to tell the police we're not going to investigate this if you help us bust your boss or whatever right and the police uh, can't do that and of course they have we're going to talk about that a bit later they of course also have the freedom um to do certain things that the police needs a warrant for um, the police would need a, a judge to sign off on things, which is going to be an important point later on. Um, is there some sort of process they follow to get permission for spying some type of warrant? Now, they don't need a warrant. Hello, Thanatos. How are you doing? Uh, Twitch chat is, is very uh, active right now, which is which is nice. Um, nice to have uh, new people in here as well. Um, there's no, not so much of a process, which is the whole point of having an intelligence service, um, but there is oversight. 
Um, but the problem with intelligence service oversight, we can maybe discuss this a bit later after I'm, I'm through the topic I'm going to talk about. But the problem with uh, intelligence service, they have like parliamentary oversight. It's kind of like in the US. If you're in the US, you know, there are committees, uh, there are House committees that are oversight committees over the intelligence service. But you know from Snowden and the NSA and all those revelations that happened afterwards, you know that a lot of the politicians who are on these committees are a very either tame or they're like even uh, sympathizing with the investigative people and the, the people who work for the intelligence services. So the oversight is often lacking. But anyway, so that, that's the Verfassungsschutz. So they're, they're our internal um, intelligence service. Then we have, have the Bundesnachrichtendienst, they're the BND. They are tasked with spying on non-Germans um, who endanger the security of the country. And they have lots of boundaries of um, not being able to spy inside the country, basically like the CIA. Now, they have ways of getting around that by, you know, work together with other intelligence services. We talked about this on the show. Um, and then you have the intelligence service we probably in the press and in the public know the least about, um, which is the MAD, the Militärische Abschirmdienst. They're basically tasked with protecting uh, secrets and intelligence of the armed forces, right? They're staffed by armed forces people. And their purview is very, very specifically only the armed forces. Um which is why, like, all of what we're talking about today shouldn't really concern us. Because when we're talking about, like, our government spying on citizens, um, the MAD has nothing to do with that um, in its mandate, right? Um, there are, there, like, you know, if the Bundeswehr, the German armed forces are uh, in Afghanistan, for example, right? And they're part of ISAF or whatever. And, and it's their purview to protect like that. Or, like, if... Let's say uh, somebody stole the uh, the plans for like a new fighter jet or whatever, and then that that would be their their um, their field. Um, but since all of this is kind of like these days, you know, thanks to uh, the Bush doctrine of the war on terror and basically this whole mixing up of the civil and the military sphere, um, we now have like you know the military is fighting terrorists, right? So they're not fighting other armed forces anymore, right? So the MAD is not only uh, concerned with, like, you know, the Russian intelligence, like the GRU or whatever, trying to spy on the Bundeswehr, but also, like, domestic terrorists. And then it gets, like, very gray. So all of this is kind of, like, moving, getting, um, you know, it's it's all becoming one big... Uh, Conglomerate and it's 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 getting very very um, complicated. So you can't really these days um, you can't really you, you, if you could ever like you can't really deline delineate right. You could say so the BND famously w wasn't allowed to spy on German citizens, uh, but we know through the Snowden um, revelations that what they just did is like they couldn't. So if a German in Germany had a phone call with another German German in Germany, they couldn't, they weren't allowed to wiretap that phone call, right? But this, the NSA was, right, or the CIA, but in this, this case, mostly the NSA was. Um, so what they do is like they go to the NSA and say, say like, okay, you're not allowed to spy on Americans on American soil, but we are. You know, we are not allowed to spy on Germans on German soil, so we just like spy on the other like we spy on the americans in america for you you spy on the germans in germany for you and then we just swap the information 
right? And that was completely legal, um, and that's that's a big problem. And um, I'm seeing we have federal government employees in Twitch chat, so that will, you know, if you have some um, some comments on this, I'm of course always open for this kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So it's um, this is this is all very complicated now, um, especially when you talk about this collaboration. Um, like one part of this law is there's a, um, a software and also I guess a network uh, that's called NADIS. Uh, it's short for the very German term of Nachrichtendienstliches Informationssystem. It's very, this, this, see, there's German, and if you think German is bad, there's like government German. Like government employee German and Nachricht, Nachrichtendienstliches Informationssystem, that's that kind of German, uh, shortened to NADIS, um, where these services share intelligence. Now, until now, the MAD, for example, was not allowed to put data into the system. Um, and this law is changing that. I guess under the purview of, you know, terrorists. And then, uh, well, oh, if the military spies against terrorists, because they, they are like, have something to do with the German armed forces that want to attack them or whatever, then, you know, why not share that data with the BND, right? Um, that's, I guess, that's the idea uh, behind that. Now, if we're talking about the the Trojans, which is basically my, um, I think that's the most important point. Um, if you're a private citizen like me, you're listening to this, <laughs> um, that's that's probably the thing that's interesting to you the most. Um, now, in more more German more German words. So in 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 Deutsch in German government speak, um, this this whole process of like putting spyware on on your computer is called Quellen Tele Quellen Telekommunikationsüberwachung, shortened to Quellen uh, TKU with a U with an umlaut. So if you see Quellen TKU, that basically amounts to hacking somebody's system and then putting spyware on it. Um, you know, because telecommunications was generally um, wiretapping. Uh, and, and this is like uh, wiretapping at the source, basically, is what it means. Um, so currently, this is allowed for desktop computers. And like in certain cases, or was generally done on desktop computers. Um, and in, in certain situations, also smartphone on and tablets. Now the police does this, and have been. It's been legal for the police to do this for a long time. You know, it's it's generally done in terrorism cases or you know child uh, child pornography or something like that. Um, you know, if they if they have um, hard, relatively hard evidence that somebody's engaged in this kind of thing, then they go. You know, they need a court order. They go to a judge, and they have a judge sign this. Um, and there's relatively high bars on that. They have to uh, show um, who they're uh, who they want to, you know, trojanize uh, or wiretap. It's basically the same process as for wiretapping, um, which is why it's called basically the same thing. Um, so they, they, you know, who it is, what they've done, what kind of proof they have that they that they did this, um, and it's basically a method where the police collects. Um, a lot of circumstantial evidence and then needs uh, more evidence to convict somebody. That's that's the goal, right? So it's it's the way it's designed in the law and the way it's sold is basically you can't you can't go on fishing expeditions, right? You're you're supposed to be like, okay, we're sure this guy has a ton of child porn on his computer. 
Um, but we know when you bust this door in, like the first thing it's going to do is push the delete button. It's all gone. So we kind of need to put a Trojan on the system to actually find uh, evidence. And then we can convict him. And uh, now the other reason would be that, you know, maybe it's a child porn ring or like a terrorist group, right? And they want to catch the other guys. They want to see how the, who this guy talks to, um, you know, and why I'm not. I'm, I'm generally obviously not a fan of the police putting um, Trojans on your computer. Um, if it's done in a very um, narrow um, uh, field, right? It's a, in a very narrow field of cases. And there's, you know, there's within a democratic framework, right? There's oversight, there's judges, you know, the court has oversight over that. Um, then I think you could argue it is it is okay within the well it is something that is it is within the rule of law in a uh, democratic state. Now I I would probably argue um, you sh still shouldn't do it, but I mean you have an argument there, and that's generally um, the laws we have. Um, and and I, I mean why I don't like them, I can understand why they're they are there. Um, now, but the problem here is um, that what they're trying to do now is give this power to intelligence services. Now, intelligence services, by definition, like one of their reasons to exist is especially to circumvent these restrictions. Intelligence services do not get a court order, generally. Um, an intelligence service, by its very nature, is a organization in a state that operates outside of the general checks and balances and the general rule of law. And I think there's an argument that you sh that you could ha have that in a in a modern democratic state you shouldn't have intelligence services. Um, the other side of the argument is that they are there; um, they have extra like ju juris ju juridical or whatever you call that, like powers. And you have to have that to fight, to protect the state, to fight um, very, very bad people, very bad enemies that you cannot have under the protection of like, you know, uh, court orders and stuff. That's an argument. I don't, I, I don't specifically want to get into that argument uh, in this episode. I mean, that would be worth... Maybe maybe if I get somebody, um, if anybody knows any guests um, who want to debate this, this would be a great debate episode, um, especially if they're on the other side of the fence where they're like, we need intelligence services and here's the reasons for it. Because I think there are reasons um, to have intelligence services. Um, and, you know, the, the whole um, argument for why the Verfassungsschutz exists certainly is one of these arguments. Um, now, my problem with the Verfassungsschutz in itself, I think, I think the name is a joke because I don't, I don't think they're protecting the Constitution. Um, I think they're just a spy agency. <laughs> you know, they're, 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 um, the Constitution in a, in a modern uh, democracy is somewhat like it's somewhat at odds with the government, government, right? So the generally you would like if you study politics, you learn that the reason of the, that the constitution exists is to protect the citizens from their state, 
right? The Constitution generally is not for protecting citizens from each other. That's what like criminal laws for the Constitution generally is is um, uh, there to protect the parliamentary system, the the order of the state, and the role of the citizens in there. And it often is against the government because it's uh, it's understood that you need a constitution because, I mean, you can have a democracy, you can have duly represented, uh, elected representatives that form a government, and then you can have a government, especially if you're German, you know this from history, you can have a government that was duly elected, but that is still like doing things that are not in the interest of most of the citizens. And because they also make the laws, you kind of need like rules, you need like certain protections. And, um, I find it really interesting that an in, uh, an intelligence service who is especially like its reason for existing is that it's outside somewhat outside of this construct which should then defend the constitution. Um you know and the Verfassungsschutz has problems like if you look into its into the history of I don't know about the MAD but I guess like the BND and especially the BND and the Verfassungsschutz they have problems with like after the war um Nazi sympathizers running these I mean the BND was basically the the core of the BND when it was founded was basically the uh the the intelligence services of Nazi Germany those all the people running that were people who knew i mean there's a reason for that right you need people who knew tradecraft who've been spies before and you, you didn't have any from the weimar republic left i guess um so there, there's reasons for all of this but like it's it's problematic and i don't understand how a, an intelligence service is the right mechanism to defend the constitution um i think that's what the police should do um I think an argument would be that, of course, the police is a an arm of the executive, and therefore, uh, you know, it's it is the state body that basically enforces the will of the government inside the country, um, and that you need an external service. But I don't understand. I understand that, but I don't understand how they can be like outside of the rule of law, basically. Well, like, why is there no pro like? What's the problem if you're defending the constitution, right? And you're like doing certain things what's the problem with getting court orders for that there, there shouldn't be there should be no problem at all like there should be no case where it's hard to get a court order um, because you're, fi you're fighting people who are against the constitution um but yeah that is that is that that is the thing now if you're actually looking at um so what they're doing is basically they want to give the the intelligence services the ability uh to circumvent like you know to to put a trojan on people's computers phones whatever and uh you know by their very nature these these intelligence services circumvent these checks and balances like this you know getting the warrant and stuff like that um now um the other reason for this law is of course that currently uh it is illegal for the police uh to use Kvarentikau, so to use these trojans to simply to circumvent end-to-end -end encryption, right? If they go and they want to get a court order, they have to, you know, um, basically uh, have evidence that the guy then wiretapped, basically, um, did something really illegal and something really, really illegal. And they have to show that they're not a journalist and, you know, not a parliamentarian and people like that. Um, but 
like they can't do that for the simple reason that that person is communicating encrypt in, in you know end to end encrypted messenger and they can't read their communications right they can't go we're pretty sure that's a terrorist here's the proof we want to spy on his communications and they're changing that so the idea is that they can use these trojans now um, to do lawful interception um, to get at decrypted messages of encrypted communication channels. Um, now, the funny thing with this credit ticket, we think if you look at its history, so Heise, uh, my ex-employer, had a good story on this that I'm linking in the story. So um, since 2017, the German police, there's, there's not one instance where the German police successfully used Quellen-TKÜ um, in anything, like in a, in a, in a, in a conviction or like uh, to get, to get uh, information they then used to like bust other people. Um, uh, and, you know, one does not really know why that is. Like one, one argument is that the police, there's all these checks and balances and the police really unsure when they can actually use this. And there's not not so much like precedence for this kind of stuff that they can easily decide. Uh, another reason certainly um, is if you look at the at the work the Cars Computer Club has done into these Trojans that they're shit. Um, the German state spent like the federal government spent millions designing their own Trojan. It was shit. Um, like it was so shit that like you it, it that was uh, like the CCC had significant concerns that. Um, if you if they actually put that on somebody's computer, the Trojan itself could have been hijacked and then turned into a botnet or whatever by like you know criminals. Um, there's also um, always reported the lack of uh, manpower uh, and people who know this stuff, especially when we we know that the German government, after their own attempts of creating such a Trojan uh, have, having failed, they bought in. Um, they, you know they bought. Um, such spyware from other companies, uh, one of them being Finfisher, which is kind of like a UK German, um, you know, I don't know, nobody knows where they really headquarters or really shady, but they have an office in Munich um, and they did like phone Trojans basically. Um, but like there have been problems with, they, they, you know, the German government bought this and then they don't have enough people who know really how to use it. That's always a problem. Um, if you're interested in, in, in more of this, um, I put a link in the show notes. It's in English. It's called the Encryption Debate in Germany 2021 Update uh, by Sven Herpich and Julia Schütze from the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace. It's like relatively good um, um, this, you know, kind of overview of the, of the uh, discussion that, that's happening in Germany, right? Where people that are basically talking about how um like why why you should do this kind of thing um why you shouldn't and then the different changes in the law um that came with that and you know different uh, governments trying to uh, get more of these laws passed now interestingly um so that's that's everything basically i have about uh, about this this law um i don't i don't i don't know as far as commentary goes um I don't know how, like, I mean, it, it's got to be relatively clear that I'm, I'm critical of this. Um, I don't. I think it's relatively clear that the German government doesn't know how to do this. It's, it's very dangerous, um, and it's if you if you like, it's it's bad enough if the police can do this kind of stuff. Um, 
And uh, if you give this power to intelligence services, it's just gonna get out of hand. Like they, then, like the oversight uh, over these services is not sophisticated enough. Um, there's not enough oversight. Um, they will not have to justify themselves um, from people. They'll just do this. They're just, you know, I don't know. They're just gonna spy on people. I don't know. Left left-wing people maybe even politicians um maybe even journalists even though they're not supposed to who knows i mean they, they they're not really been been checked on to such a degree right if um if the police does this kind of stuff um like they get a they get a warrant it has to end up like they, ha they have to be indictments and then um at some point they'll they'll have to show what they did and it will come out in the court case right and so the the public has some overview of what happened you know and there's there's oversight within the police and and, and stuff like that um, with intelligence services all bets are off and I mean why and I, I mean I don't want to get into this too much because I've talked about this in previous episodes a lot but I don't you know I talk to a lot of um, investigators and police people as well and I don't understand their like I understand it but I don't think the argument is valid that they need this politicians and like the police uh, unions and whatever they're they were saying we need this we need this the all the terrorists and all the all the bad people they are um like communicating um in encrypted ways and and but you you can always see there are always court cases where they bust these people where they didn't have these powers i mean i talked about the cyber bunker case in an episode here and that's a good example they couldn't see from outside into their encrypted i mean this is now website community you know it's like tour sites and whatever but like they they had basically they had no way of they they, they wiretapped this it was a hosting if you haven't listened to that episode it's like a hosting service that basically just hosted illegal websites and they wiretapped their whole internet connection and they couldn't look into the encrypted communication they had no way to look into that but there was enough unencrypted communications that they basically could build a case and they spied on these people right they they you know they did like um, they shadowed them and all this kind of stuff um so the police has ways of solving this of 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 uh, indicting these people and intelligence services beyond that they don't need these powers they you know they have they have enough powers as it is and i i understand why the police and investigative people always want this because it makes their job easier to which i always say um their job is supposed to be hard right you're not going to the criminal police because you, like you shouldn't go there because you're lazy and you just you know you just get access to everybody's computer and then you do like i don't know pre-crime bullshit like you have to do hard fucking work in a democracy um, to investigate terrorism, murders, and that's that's how it's supposed to be. Um, it shouldn't be too easy, and it's not like Germany is under huge threat, right? We didn't have terrorism. We didn't have anything happen since the seventies, since the RAF, the Rote Armee Fraktion, since they blew up some buildings and kidnapped some people and shot some people. Like you know. The, the ther terror threats we had in Germany from like Muslim extremists and stuff like that were law laughable, right? <laughs> I remember I was living in Bonn. There was this guy who was supposed to, he was apparently blowing up the Bonn Central Station, which was a joke in itself. The Bonn Central Station, like Bonn used to be the capital of government, uh, the, the seat of government of Germany, right? But it's tiny. The uh, the Central Station has like four, um, four like train, rail tracks, I think. It's tiny. It's tiny. Tiny, like no, like you wouldn't like 
and at that time when I was living there, like we're talking like 20, 2007 or something, the government was long gone. There was nothing, there's nothing, there's like some UN buildings. You don't blow up Bonn. Like if you blow up Bonn Central Station, everybody in, in the world is like, Bonn? What's that? Like they've all forgotten that it used to be the seat of government, right? You, you blow up something in Berlin. And then it was like this guy who couldn't even build a bomb. He tried to build a bomb from like a pressure cooker. And it, like, I don't think he even used like, proper explore it was, it was laughable it was absolutely laughable and it's all like this shit um right and if you actually talk to people who know what they're doing who are investigators they will tell you like we don't have actually most of the time and you know this is out of the snowden revelations as well the nsa saying this in internal stuff as well you don't have to know what they're talking about you can just do metadata analysis and you can basically figure out terror cells um, by by doing like social graphs and figuring out who's talking to whom, right? You just get one guy you know is is a terrorist because he's he's gotten drunk in a bar or whatever. It's, I don't know what Muslim terrorists do, like you know, smoke too much shisha and I don't know, get high on I don't know. And then they just talk, right? They talk to people, and then you just you do like social graphs and you can basically figure out who everybody who's in this terror cell just by who they're talking to and when, because they're talking to them at other times than they would talk to like their wives or their friends and in, in other patterns and shit like that. Um, um, so it's, um, yeah. And uh, Harry Vatana actually uh, in Twitch chat uh, brings up a good point. It's a good opportunity for a remake, The Life of Others, Das Leben der Anderen. Das Leben der Anderen. This is a great movie. Um, with one of my favorite uh, German actors, who uh, Ulrich Mühe, who sadly died way too early. It's a great movie. It's about um, the Stasi in Germany, so the Eastern German Intelligence Service. And that should be a warning to everybody in Germany, because that was Germany too, right? That was like the the socialist part of Germany. And they had the most um, society-destroying intelligence services uh, you, intelligence service, uh, like almost ever. I mean, okay, in the Soviet Union, I guess it was worse. But like, you know, they were basically spying on everybody at all times. They had like, you know, they had like these everybody. They had like everybody enlisted, and and uh, it's just like a horrible, horrible story. And this is like a, about the Stasi guy who's like, you know, listening in on on other people's lives. Um, it's it's yeah. And as, as Harry says, it's not like the police completely inept at these men. No, nobody. Like, no police is. Um, and I understand the impulse of, like, them wanting their job to be easier. I completely understand that. But, like, that's their job, right? Their job is to ask for this shit. <laughs> I don't blame the police to ask for these powers. But it's the job of the government and the parliament to, like, see through that and see, like, we're not... We're not on the brink of like a civil war. Our society is not falling apart, right? The worst thing that happened to German society, according to the German chancellor, since World War II, was COVID-19, right? So, so maybe, maybe he should make some laws that fix the fucking uh, health system. How about how about you concentrate on the health system? There's not like I'm looking out of my window here. There's no ruins. There's 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 no nail bombs. There's no car bombs going off in Düsseldorf. You know there's no, there's there's no Muslim terrorists. Apparently, I live Düsseldorf's one of the uh, uh, bastions of Muslim terror <laughs> terror uh, in Germany. But like I don't I don't like I don't see I don't I I don't see the um, the cause. 
to give these people uh, such far-reaching power. Um, so anyway, that's about the law they're going to pass. I, In researching this, uh, I found a side note that I want to talk about because there was another law in that, that has been passed in March by the very same government, um, which kind of plays into this because this was a law that gives the BND, so the uh, Foreign Intelligence Service, uh, much more power. And um, so they... Um, they are now allowed to use Trojans to infiltrate uh, computers of foreign citizens outside of Germany. They were previously not allowed to do that. Um, and this is hilarious. So the law says uh, the amount of, quote, foreign networks the BND can kind of like spy on has been raised from 20 to 30 percent. And as I say in the show notes, whatever the, whatever the fuck that's supposed to be. Like, how do they, they don't even like, specify what a network is like 30 so that's like we can now look at 30 percent of all worldwide tra traffic instead of 20 like uh how do we even know how much traffic there is right i guess i guess if they you know as as has been rumored and, and basically shown um you know the biggest internet uh um connection point biggest internet node in the world in frankfurt uh, d6 is called um and uh, so it's been basically uh, it's basically open knowledge that the bnd uh, mirrored all the interfaces there so they're basically you know if, if you just imagine this huge internet backbone connection um for every network card basically they have a second one in there that just um copies like on the fly just copies all traffic and i guess writes it to disks i don't know um it's that's basically was again uh, like there were already rumors that 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 was the case and then uh there there were further hints in in the snowden documents that, that that's happening um so i, I guess they before they had to delete 80 percent of that and now they're just deleting 70 <laughs> i don't know um there's also some new rules um, that the BND uh, can now cooperate uh, more uh, more fully with, quote, friendly intelligence services, which is GA GCHQ and the NSA uh, are two important ones there. Um, I honestly don't understand how they're friendly intelligence services. If, you, if you've seen the news in the last 10 years, you basically have the UK... Uh, brexiting right and all of the german press and all of the politicians constantly ragging on the uk government uh then you had four four years of trump apparently the worst neo-nazi in government since adolf hitler according to the german press i don't know and you know the government uh basically saying oh yeah the america the the, the transcontinental uh relations are not that good anymore. but still they're f like still trump's intelligence services is a friendly intelligence service like how's how are the brits friend aren't we like at least in economic um like those are the well maybe with china uh the uk and the us are the two countries that the EU is in most competition with, like geopolitically, uh, but yeah, somehow they're then friendly. I don't. Uh, apparently, the, those apparently the intelligence guys are all, are all friendly. Like it's the same thing. I don't understand where while everybody's going like, oh yeah, uh, we can't have Huawei uh, network um, gear uh, because they're all spying for the Chinese. Uh, let's put Cisco routers in there Be because like we're completely. 
we're completely sure that the NSA, you know, if they build Cisco gear into German telecoms infrastructure, the NSA is not listening. No, no. We're friends. We're all friends. Like, or maybe they're listening and we know that and we're okay. I don't, I don't, I don't understand any of this. It's like, this is when, I, when I'm glad that I'm not a politician because I could never twist my brain into these loops <laughs> that these people do. Um, but yeah, the BND can now better cooperate with GCHQ and NSA. Um, so the law does say that personal data of citizens' organizations, quote, of the EU cannot be collected this way. This is also like the, the, the BND generally operates under this rule uh, at home and abroad already. Um, uh, what is very interesting to me, so up, up until this law was passed, uh, the BND was tasked with and authorized to defend against international terrorism, nuclear weapons proliferation, human traffic, trafficking, and then cyber threats. Relatively understandable, right? Do you know what it's now additionally fighting against? Um, Crisis-like developments abroad. So I guess respiratory viruses? I don't know. International extremism, whatever that means. Um, uh, I don't know, Fridays for Future, maybe. Uh, money laundering? Okay. Uh, threats to critical infrastructure? Yeah, I guess that goes with the terror stuff. That's understandable. Now, this one's good. Proliferation of, quote, important technologies and software. Couldn't mean anything. Could, like, literally, some German company developed a uh, free-to-play browser game and uh, the, somebody stole, did the Ukrainians stole it. Now we have to spy on I don't know. And now comes the doozy. <laughs> Get this shit. The BND is now tasked with fighting copyright violations. They call it like intellectual property. Like, what the fuck? They can now put a Trojan on your fucking computer. If you, okay, you're not German, right? You're not, let's say you're, you're listening to this. You're, you're in America. Uh, you're, you're in the U.S., uh, uh, you in Tennessee, and, and the BND thinks you violated some copyright. They can put a Trojan on your computer. I mean, I guess it's only fair. I guess the NSA can do that to me. Um, but it's like how, like how, how is our external intelligence service, who's tasked with protecting the German state and the rule of law, but like the German, the interests of the German state. How are they tasked with defending against copyright violations? The German state itself has no stake in copyright violations, right? German companies do, but they're not they're not gonna they're, they're not supposed to be protected by the BND. The BND protects the German state. It's government, it's like governmental organizations. Like how I don't even I don't even I, like I don't even understand are you like if you if you're writing a law like this are you this dumb are you this corrupted do you not understand what copyright is do you not understand what the role of the government is or the intelligence service like I don't understand this from from any angle if I was the if I was in the BND right if I was a spy 
right? I like James. I like Bond movies. Like I like that shit. You know, I I went, I I pursued a, uh, a career in in the intelligence service, which is hard. Like it's hard to get in there, and then you're like a spy, right? You're like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the next Putin, right? I'm gonna get placed in some embassy, and I'm gonna spy on them, and then I figure out like my job is to 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 investigate intellectual property violate like what the fuck <laughs> i i would have like applied to work for gema if that was like you know the, the whatever the, the the motion picture mp motion picture industry association like the mpia or whatever like how what <laughs> what who comes up with this shit ah uh. <laughs> Sanato says uh, in Twitch chat, hey man, gotta keep Metallica safe. No, Metallica is not a German band. Gotta keep Rammstein safe, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Or like the, the Wildecker Herzbuben or somebody like, I don't know. It's, it's, this is, this is just insane. Like, this is insane. I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand this at all. Um, anyway, um, there are, I have to mention that there are special restrictions in this law. So um, if the BND wants to access data uh, from priests, from lawyers, attorneys, or journalists, um, there are some restrictions. It's like they don't, exp they don't really explain, but it's like they're not supposed to. Um, now, they have specified that this includes freelancers, freelance journalists. So I'd like to point out here on the record. Important. This is all spies, all spies listening. Please pay attention. D&D, &D, please pay attention. This, I'm a, I'm a freelance journalist, okay? Right? Just keep that in mind if you're spying on me. Thank you for your attention. Um, just, just so we're clear. Um, this also includes, uh, quote, government-critical bloggers in states where the freedom of the press is under significant threat. And whatever that means, I guess they didn't want to say blogger because every every fucking Muslim terrorist bomber is like, oh, I've got a blog. I'm on Blogspot. Nailbombs.blogspot.com or whatever. Oh, oh no, then we can't spy on that guy. He is part of the press. Um, it's, it's, yeah. I mean. These people making these laws. Um, the, so basically, why did this happen? So if you look at, um, there have been some decisions by the German Constitutional Court, the Bundesverfassungsgericht, which, you know, deals with constitutional, um, you know, claim, like challenges to, to existing laws on constitutional grounds. Um, and they have in the past, uh, especially after the Snowden revelations, passed several um, judgments uh, that were very critical of what the BND is doing. Um, and they passed some judgments that severely limit, like what, especially the data uh, BND is allowed to collect on German citizens. Um, you know, this was especially uh, a reaction to this whole um, thing I talked about earlier where, you know, the NSA um, was exchanging uh, information with the BND. So basically the BND was getting information on German citizens that they were not ab allowed to spy on from the NSA. Now, uh, of course, our government, so you have laws, you have an intelligence service, 
Uh, and then you have the constitutional court, which is supposed to oversee the constitutional order of the country, which says, hey, government, your uh, intelligence service is doing things uh, that we don't think are right. I don't think they, this, I think this is a constitutional violation, right? What does the government do? Oh, uh, let's change, let's make a new law. Let's give them more rights. Let's give them more, let's fight back against that. Ah, these people. I mean, there's a reason they're politicians. <laughs> there's a reason I'm not a politician. Um, it is, uh, it is, I mean, it is, it is, it is understandable. And yeah, as, as Sanato says, uh, I mean, there is, there, there, there is, there are arguments here, right? There are arguments on the side of the intelligence services. I'm just not on their side, but I do respect that there's an argument. And I do respect that there's an argument to have intelligence services and for them to have certain rights and whatever. Um, and I'd love to get somebody on to discuss this. Um, it'll, I don't know who. Um, I don't know. Yeah, certainly nobody from <laughs> the BND is gonna is gonna gonna ring up and be on the podcast. That would be interesting. Um, it'd be very interesting for me to verify that guys really from the BND. I guess <laughs> um, they don't really have ID cards like the police. Um, but you know, if if you know somebody, if somebody is willing to step up to the plate, you know uh, where you can contact me. Go to Private Citizen Press. Um, I'm always open to have dissenting voices uh, in feedback, live in Twitch, via email. I have um, anonymous uh, whistleblower contact, an anonymous whistleblower contact form. You can contact me anonymous, and especially to have guests uh, to debate this with, because I love debating, and we might all learn. Uh, from this so I think that would be cool um, yeah uh, as it stands uh, I think uh, I think this is not a good step forward um, I think it is a large uh, it's another um, uh, data point in a, in, a, in a large line of um, government initiatives to severely curtail our civil rights in Germany um but hey, that's what that's that's how it goes. Apparently, right now, you know, um, I'm just putting this. I forgot to put civil rights in the um, in the tags. Uh, and if you if you click on that in the show notes, you will you will see. Um, apparently, no. Apparently, it's not. Did I? Is my tag for this not civil rights? Is it um, civil liberties? I think. I think I, I rather call it liberties because rights is always like so loyally. Yeah, the taxable civil liberties. And if you click on that, you see a long list of episodes where I talked about this. So it's um, obviously got got a lot worse uh, with the whole COVID restrictions. It's kind of, you know, why I started this podcast in the exact right moment of history, I guess. But yeah, so so, so far for that law, um, I'm going to keep an eye on what's happening. I uh, expect it to pass. Um I don't think um, anything. Um, nobody, nobody's fighting back against these things currently in Germany. Uh, maybe things will change after the um, general election in September, and maybe that will bring a change of power. Uh, we will see. But I'll keep you updated. And let's get into the feedback because uh, we have a lot of it. <laughs> So, 
first feedback comes to us from a longtime producer on the show, Yevgeny Guznetsov uh, from Moscow. Always love uh, hearing from him. He uh, listens to his podcast a lot when he walks his uh, child uh, in a... What is What do you call that? In a stroller, I guess? I don't know. You know, when you when you walk around with your child to calm them down, to get them to sleep. My parents always used to drive me around the block in the car because that always put me to sleep immediately. Um, I guess you can't do that today uh, without being stoned. Unless it's a Tesla, then you're allowed to. Uh, anyway, I was talking last episode about uh, Gemini and how I think it's like the perfect off-the-grid OTG uh, publishing tool. Uh, Yevgeny does not agree. Yevgeny says, I think the perfect OTG publishing tool is anything static, maybe even the Gemini capsule, uh, pu published in IPFS. Uh, to me, it looks like HTML on IPFS is way closer to ideal than a capsule on a regular server. And IPFS, uh, of course, being the interplanetary file system, which is like a kind of technology, it's a peer-to-peer -peer technology, basically, where you host your content not on a server, a central place, but peer-to-peer -peer on everybody's computers, basically in the cloud, on other people's computers. Um, this has reminded me that that's on my list to talk about. Um, generally, um, I think it's overrated. I think this whole, um, maybe I'm going to do a wider episode on, on distributed stuff because I think a lot of geeks these days, they're like all, it started with BitTorrent. I guess they're all about like distributed and how distributed solves everything. I don't think it does. So I'll have to talk about that um, a bit more. Uh, but my specific problem with what Yevgeny says is that I like Gemini because it, it addresses privacy and security issues with HTML, right? With HTTP that I don't like, which I um, pointed out uh, on the on the um, on the episode on last on uh, last week's episode. Um, I do agree. I mean, I've said a lot that I mean it's not meant to replace the internet, and it won't. So. Um, I just think it's nicely off the grid because it's specifically not there to uh, replace the web. Well, not the internet. I did that wrong. Uh, said that wrong. The web. Um, and I don't. I don't think just having. I mean, yes, distributed. Um, like putting your websites on 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 distributed file system like this will help with censorship. I think. Oh. Uh, I don't know if you're hearing that. Uh, kids are having a party out on the street. Isn't it curfew time yet? Damn it. It's not. I'm, I'm recording this podcast too early. It's not curfew yet. Um, I think that it solves different problems. Let's put it that way. Um, super user says in Twitch chat, I dislike IPFS because I fundamentally disagree with the idea that content should stay up forever. We have had the luxury of growing up with, without our lives being so on social media, but I wouldn't want my teens to be immortalized for life. Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting um, argument that we can also have. That's like the German laws, um, you know, the, the das Recht auf Vergessen, you know, the right to be forgotten. Um, maybe I can talk about that as well. I, I think it's, I don't, I have a problem with it being there forever. Um, I just have a different attitude, but that's a good point. Um, so yeah, maybe I should do an episode about um, IPFS. And maybe also like distributed things. Uh, maybe we can tie that together. I'll, I'll have a think about this. Anyway, let's move on. We've got more feedback. Uh, Stephen Hose has uh, quite a lot of feedback. So I'm going to read all of this out. And I'm going to have a little comment there at some point. Um, 
uh, and super user it says yeah in the in the uk you can uh, request deletion when you turn 18 um if your parents put you on social media for instance um it's an extra to the gdpr well it's not the gdpr right it's your local um local law that also um you know puts uh, into local law what what's set in the gdp uh gdpr i i don't like i don't i don't know um i think uh i think that ship has sailed um i think this this deletion forcing people to delete it is 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 it's it's hard it's kind of like somebody writing something down and you going into his house and forcing them to like shredder the paper it's weird but we're, we're gonna have that i don't want to discuss that here anyway stephen hose writes uh, i've been talking uh, sorry i've i've been taking some mental notes and decided to write them down this was going to be feedback from multiple shows but i guess i had uh, a bit to say about our government. The feedback is not necessarily aimed at you, as in FAB, uh, but it is meant to provide more details to all listeners. I love to argue and discuss with people and to learn the thoughts behind viewpoints. I attack positions, not people. Uh, and I never take some someone disagreeing with me personally. And that's kind of like my attitude as well. I think that's commendable. Um, I think uh, we are in a in a in a in a big big minority there. But if more people would would be discussing like that, it would be great for 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 like philosophic discourse and like any discourse, really political discourse. Um, I hope I could argue with someone f for four hours over a topic when and then have a few beers with them. Yeah, that's that's the best. Like that's what I want this podcast to be. Basically, that's what I want all. Why I want all of you to write in. Um, Okay, now comes the point that, that I'm just going to read out his paragraph here and then I'm going to vehemently disagree with him. Um, the US government is a federal democratic representative republic. Yes, democratic, but not democracy. It's a fine line for sure. Many people get caught up in the term democracy. Pure democracy is mob rule. The old saying is two wolves and a sheep decide what is for dinner. Our founding fathers were wise and decided not to let people vote in the heat of the moment on each issue because that makes for bad decisions. This is why senators have six-year terms. Unfortunately, our representatives now have instant communication with the constituents and things like Blowing, uh, bowing to pressure on Twitter are making it harder for level-headed decisions to be made. Politicians are pandering to the loudest mob on Twitter, it seems. I agree with the second part there. Um, I, I have to say you're completely wrong on democracy. There's no difference between um, a democratic republic and democracy. I think I addressed this once before on the show. Um, democracy is a way to... Um, give rights to your citizens and um, basically uh, allow your citizens uh, to influence government policy a republic is a f is a uh, it's a, 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 um, a, a form of a, it's, a, it's a it's a way to organize a government to organize how a state is run right um, you can have a republic that's not de democratic um, the US Republic is democratic. Um, democracy is not mob rule. Um, if you look into um, history, I mean, it starts with, you know, with uh, ancient Greece. Um, that wasn't mob rule. The ancient Greece was a way of having um, a, well, it's a representative democracy. It's what it's called because uh, it's not the citizens deciding, it's not a direct democracy, right? It's not citizens deciding what the country should do what the what, what the government policy should be it's the citizens electing representatives uh 
who then get together in like a parliament, you know, in ancient Greece, it wasn't really a parliament, but, you know, they get together in a structure and then have a form a government and 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 discuss laws and make laws and stuff like that. Now, democracy just means you have elections. Democracy means the citizens, you know, get to decide in um, uh, in in regular intervals uh, who should represent them. There can be very different kinds of democracy, right? Democracy in uh, in ancient Greece wasn't everybody. It was just men and free men, right? If you were a slave, uh, you, you couldn't vote. If you were a woman, you couldn't vo vote. Similarly in Rome. And if you, actually, if you look into the history of ancient Rome, um, Rome was a republic, the Roman Republic. Uh, and it was a democracy. And it then stayed a republic, but quit being a democracy when the first emperor, uh, you know, abolished all these uh, systems. Uh, same with Germany. The Weimar Republic was a republic and was a democracy. Um, although, you know, when Hitler came to power, he abolished the, the democratic part by basically getting rid of the parties you could vote for. You could only vote for one, one party, which you can call a democracy, but it isn't one. And they also didn't call it a republic anymore, right? They called it a, a Reich, uh, and, and basically an empire, right? Um, now, in... Um, you know, the, the, in in uh, in in Eastern Germany, the German Democratic Republic, the GDR, Deutsche Demokratische Republik. Uh, I don't know if even if that was a republic anymore. It sure, certainly wasn't democratic. It's like it's like China. I mean, they they can call themselves a democracy if they want, but if you have one party, you can only vote for one party. It's not a democracy. Right? That's that's the difference, roughly there. Um, I might have to do a special episode on this. I once did an episode on socialism. Might have to do this uh, on democracy again. Because apparently, I don't know what it is. It's always, um, you know, people from the US um, saying that their country is not dem democratic, which is wrong. I mean, it. you are right. He, he gets into, I think, where this comes from in the next uh, um, paragraph. So I'm going to read this out and I'm going to continue with some comments. Um, so um, Stephen says... Um, further on, the electoral college was brilliant. It protects the rural from the urban. While sta state legislature, uh, legislatures are not required to follow the plebiscites when they nominate electors to the college, they always have. Each state has always been a block of votes because this was because there was an ex expectation that there uh, would be different laws in different states. While originally the federal government was restricted from establishing religion, the states were not. Maryland was established as a Catholic state for Catholics, feeling Protestant persecution uh, feeling Protestant persecution in states like Massachusetts. My, how times have changed. Originally, each state had its own constitution that protected people's rights. After the war between the states, all states were forced to also follow the federal constitution and bill of rights, and they lost the power of religion, which was not even being used by that time. In the beginning, senators were elected by the state legislatures, making those legislatures even more powerful. It made a portion of the federal government directly beholden to the state governments. I think it is a shame that it has gone that way. I wish our individual states had more power, like it appears to be in Germany. I think you need to add a second shirt about aiming to misbehave. That's a good idea, by the way. I'm going to try to do that. That would be a great um, shirt. 
And uh, thanks to Harry, uh, Harry Vatana, for uh, live subscribing uh, while I do the show on Twitch, which also, you know, we're going to talk uh, later here a little bit about how you can support the podcast. That's one way and it helps. So thank you. Um, so I, um, I, I think this, this, this is something I only learned recently, but I think this is the, um, the source for uh, many people in the U.S. thinking or saying that their their uh, is you know governmental structure is not a um, a democracy. Uh, it is now, but yes, it was a republic, and in the beginning there was no like states like to elect the representatives they would send to the federal government. Um, you know, to the to the House uh, um, or this, you know, the senators, they didn't have to have democratic procedures in place in the state. They could have also just decided. The state government could have decided. We'll just, and I think they did at the beginning. We'll just send this guy. At that moment, it's not a democracy because they're not elected representatives. But it turned into a democracy by um, force of habit, I guess. Um, now. This this process that Stephen uh, describes of uh, you have federal states and you have a federal government and you make the federal states follow the laws of the federal government, I think that is just modern politics and there is no way around that. That is how it works in Germany. Um, we have, in Germany, um, we have federal laws and they always, always supersede state laws. Um, what you mean with... Um, them, you know, the states being um, independent. In Germany, we have the constitution um, names certain areas where the German federal states make the laws. Um, so the constitution says that um, education, for example, and healthcare is um, in the purview of the federal states. So the federal government is not allowed to make laws in this area. The federal states do them themselves. If they would, they would supersede them. And actually, I talked about this during the COVID coverage uh, that I'm, you know, that I keep following up with. Um, in fact, they have now the IF, IFSG, the Infektionsschutzgesetz, is a health law and it is a federal law and the, the federal states have to abide by it. I think it's unco I think that's un unconstitutional. I, I, don't, I can't understand how you could read the constitution and think it's not unconstitutional, but they have done. It's on the books. It's as far as I can tell, not being repealed. The Constitutional Court has not said this is unconstitutional. So I don't know. Um, but generally, this effect that you have, that you have uh, a federal government and that the federal laws have to be followed. In, I mean, it, it, there's no other way to do that. It would be chaos. Um, I mean, that's the same with the EU. That's how EU laws work, right? So the EU has a parliament. They make laws. And if, you, if you're a member state of the EU, then your local laws have to follow those rules. It always goes like from the top down. Um, that's, that's the only way to do this. Um, I do agree with the second shirt. We have to have an aim to misbehave shirt. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to design that. Um, in the US, powers not given to the federal governments in the Constitution are reserved to the states and peoples. Um, yes, that's kind of... I mean, that's kind of, aside from the people part, I don't know how that works. That's kind of the same thing. Like the German federal government does laws and then kind of leaves holes and then the federal states can make their own laws. Um, what would you call a one-person, one-vote democracy where everybody votes on every issue? That doesn't exist. 
um, because it was historically not possible. I think you could you you could vote on every issue um, now with the internet. I guess you could have like a cyber democracy. Um, I mean, the closest thing is, is Switzerland, right? In Switzerland. Switzerland has electoral representatives, but they have a very direct democracy where basically if enough people bring a petition to the parliament, then they um, uh, it kind of triggers a plebiscite and then everybody uh, goes and votes on that issue. It's kind of a bit like, you know, uh, in the US, you'd have that out on state level. You know, if you have an election, there's always like these prop these propositions on there. It's kind of like the same thing. Actually, it's going to be interesting because Switzerland's going to have a uh, popular vote on the COVID restrictions next month, um, which is, I think, the only place on the planet where uh, uh, citizens uh, ever gotten to vote on these restrictions. So it's it's going to be it's going to be very very interesting. Um, uh, super user asks: Is it true that Imperial Germany was more federal than today? Just curious. Depends on what Imperial. There there were three uh, Imperial Germanies. I mean, the the Hitler's empire was called the Third Reich, the Dritte Reich. Um, so there was there was the Holy Roman Empire of the German nation, that was the original uh, uh, empire, I guess. Um, then there was the empire that Bismarck founded, which you know exclusion of Austria. Um, then there was the Weimar Republic, which was the Democratic Republic, and then there was Hitler's empire. Um, Hitler's uh, Hitler state was completely centralized. It was all Prussia. Prussia was the biggest province, the biggest federal state, so to speak. Um, uh, under Bismarck, it was already very, very centralized. This is why a lot of people blame Bismarck for like the later rise to power of the Nazis, which I don't agree with, but he did certainly centralize everything on Prussia very much. Um, the original German, like the which wasn't Germany, right? This wasn't a nation state. The uh, Holy Roman Empire um, of the German nation was a collection of kingdoms. So there were no federal states. There were all kingdoms, you know, like Saxony was a kingdom, Bavaria was a kingdom, Prussia was a kingdom, uh, Hanover was a kingdom, uh, Weimar was a kingdom, Baden-Baden, there were these small kingdoms. Um, and they elected kings and some of the kings and some special princes elected the emperor. Um, so that was very, very decentralized, but it was certainly not a, um, it wasn't a state as in a modern nation state. Uh, Bismarck's empire um, was when Germany became a nation state. Before that, Germany was a collection of in independent kingdoms, which explains why Germany is so different. Well, if you go to Hamburg and then you go to Bavaria and you spend some time there, you won't recognize. You almost like it's the same language, but everything else is very, very different. Um, anyway, let's let's get on with uh, what Steve uh, is writing here. Um, also, every state has individual voting laws. Uh, for Fab to vote, he can come to California on a valid visa, get a driver's license, register to vote, and vote. There is zero enforcement of U.S. citizenship to vote in a California election. Some states want to provide free, uh, free as in I think monetarily free, free state IDs for voting. They would look like a driver's license, but only prove citizenship and residence location. This is being called voter suppression by the left. There's always voter fraud in, in U.S. elections. My mother has been dead for three years. Uh, condolences, by the way. Um, this last election, she got mail about voting in upcoming elections. The dead have always voted in Chicago. And he sends me a link to a, uh, it's called raisethedeadpodcast.com. Um, 
Also, you mentioned that Obama was an outsider. Only in government experience he was an outsider. He came out of the Chicago political machine, which has a history of mass corruption. Um, I didn't mean that, by the way. If I've, uh, Maybe you misunderstood me. I, I think he was... I, I was kind of saying he was an outsider in the uh, Democratic Party. Um, the more I think about this, the more I think about Obama, I think he w Obama was basically a Republican. Um, if you look at a lot of his uh, policies, aside from healthcare, he was basically, he was kind of like, you know, Bismarck was very, very uh, reactionary, right? Um, Bismarck um, overturned like basically the revolution in Germany and, you know, solidified everything under the king and Prussia and all that. But he created social insurance, Right. He, he had some very uh, forward-looking social policies um, worldwide. Like he was the first to 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 like have some of these social social policies. Um, kind of like Obama, who I think was was pretty much uh, very re reactionary in some things, especially like you know with um, in regards to intelligence services. What we are talking about today, you know, but this a lot of these. Uh, programs the NSA uh, was later exposed for uh, happened on Obama's watch. I mean, it was started with Bush, but Obama certainly didn't go and went like, okay, I'm a de Democrat, I'm going to turn all this around. Um, yeah, I think he was a bit of an outsider in like the, um, like those, like those powers, that's what I kind of meant, the power centers in the Democratic Party, the historic ones, you know, the Kennedys, the Clintons, um, you know, all those power sucks but he was certainly well established in uh in chicago and he was uh you know a constitutional lawyer so um and I, I didn't mean it mean it that way um bismarck deliberately made it to says super says bismarck deliberately made it to stop the socialists from getting too powerful though this is known from his letters it was very calculated he also marginalized catholics and poles uh, again very yeah that's a very calculated that's a cultural conference it's a completely different topic um i mean yeah bismarck was he invented realpolitik right he everything he did was calculated he didn't do it to stop the socialists by the way he did it to stop the the um uh the the, the communists um but um It, and, and he fought them, right? At the same time, he, you know, he prosecuted, like, uh, the state, like, prosecuted people like Marx and Engels, um, but, and forced them into exile. But, um, I wouldn't say, uh, that this Bismarck didn't believe in, um, in, in the social policies. It was not like, I don't want these people to have uh, health care. I'm just doing this to stop the, the socialists or the, you know, the left. Um, he, uh, You know, I, I read I read his collected works completely in in, in my university studies, and um, he uh, he was also a very like he was a I mean he was a um, part of the nobility and a landowner and stuff, but he was like in some areas like he was he was surprisingly against taxation for somebody who ran a state that ran on on taxation um so he he was a complicated man I, I think um, he also saw some of the wisdom. Um, in there, but it was calculated. It was basically um, how can we treat the workers better so then that they don't go overstate, overthrow the state. I think that's a um, that that's a good idea. I mean, that's 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 what all politicians does do. The the Kulturkampf was different, as, but like another example was basically his uh, colonial policy, which I was actually doing a lot of work on in in studies. Where basically, you know, Germany, all the col colonies Germany acquired, um, or like the big push was was under. Uh, Kaiser Wilhelm II, so the, the, the Kaiser who sacked Bismarck. One of the reasons was Bismarck didn't want colonies. 
Bismarck thought colonies were li- liability, and the modern state didn't need colonies. Um, so he was he was very very modern in 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 that respect. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, generally, you know, that's how politics works. And you have to understand that that Bismarck was operating in a very different parliamentary setting than today. There were no fixed coalitions. Basically, it, back back in the day, it worked like this: the chancellor was kind of on his own with with his government and there were many political parties in the parliament and many many sides on any argument and basically for every policy he wanted to do he had to pick um his majority separately there wasn't like a whip where you go like okay you're a social democrat and there was a whip for the whole uh, party machine and they were like you know you like it is today you're a democrat you're voting like this on the issue parliamentarians were much more free to go like, no, on this issue, I'm going to vote like this. Uh, and I think actually that was a better time. Um, I wish if we could get back to that and go back from parties being so organized, right? And 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 being whipped into, and, you know, parliamentarians being whipped into these kind of uh, elections, which is, you know, very strong in the US and, and the UK and in Germany as well. Um, I think I think we would have a much better democracy, but you know, alas, you can you can never really go back. Um, that was a very special time and very special reasons why it was that way. But if you read about how these decisions uh, came together, there was a lot more discussion and a lot more varied directions. It wasn't like okay, we are a social government now, we're doing this, and we are a conservative government. It's like four years we're doing social policies. Then uh, the other side gets elected they undo all the social policies they do all this republican shit or there's like national nationalist shit whatever and then like the other guys get reelected, and then they undo all of that again it was more like finding a consensus with every decision uh, it wasn't perfect but i think it was more interesting anyway let's move on we got uh steven from raleigh north carolina uh home of red hat and the carolina hurricanes um Regarding the meaning of the term fake news, I think Trump's original usage was simply to deflect from news he didn't like. It was to say, in effect, this is something unimportant, unworthy of being called news, something politically motivated to detract from the message I'm putting out, which is, of course, very important. So I don't think he was calling fake news untrue per se, but rather he was more dismissing it, just like his spokesman once touted their, quote, alternative facts. Um, actually, I think the alternative facts is an interesting term. I think I think alternative facts are very valid. Um, if you listen to my episode on the problem with facts, um, I'm certainly not saying uh, what Trump's spokespeople there were saying was right, but I think they were closer to the truth than the people who attacked them. But anyway, uh, the meaning uh, has expanded since then, but I think we do well to fight making, quote, fake news simply a synonym for propaganda or flat-out lies. I think we need to fight the term anyway. I think it is propaganda. I think um, what what you're describing there, um, what I think you're correct, I think that was what Trump was saying. That's propaganda. Trump was calling the media writing stories that he didn't like propaganda, right? That in itself is propaganda. But that doesn't mean he was wrong. Some of those stories, I think, were propaganda. Especially, like, he de- definitely picked a fight with the press, and that was that was why the press was fighting him tooth and nail for four years, because they couldn't stand being attacked. Um, but, you know, some of the stuff he called fake news, i.e. the, the Washington Post uh, fucking uh, fact check, uh, oh, here's how often Trump lied. That was propaganda, 
I mean, I've t- talked often about that, how, how that wasn't lies and uh, how a lot of that, you could do that about any politician because a lot of that was just, I don't know, um, them doing something, saying something else. I mean, uh, or like just being vague, really like, oh, he lied. But like, you didn't, for a lot of these, they couldn't even prove that it was untrue. Um, to say nothing if it was a lie, because to prove it was a lie, you have to prove that the guy who said it also knew it was untrue, uh, which is a lot harder. Let me let me let me tell you. Um, but I think I think what what you're basically it's propaganda. And like the term is bullshit because it describes propaganda. And was what Trump was doing there was describing propaganda while putting out propaganda. <laughs> Which is which? He, that was his. I think that's his only real gift. He was really gifted in that. Like he, he, he was he was really, really, really gifted. And the only problem I have is not like you know. I'm not even talking about Trump's policies. Like my problem wasn't so much that he was so good at putting out propaganda. It was the press fighting him, right, and calling out his shit as propaganda, and then just buying everything the other side said, which is also, in many cases, propaganda. You're like, oh, no, that is good propaganda. And and at the same time, of course, buying all the press, buying PR, which is also propaganda, <laughs> and just, just buying that out. Oh, Apple has a new phone. It's going to be great. Oh, it's great. It's great. They say it's great. It's going to be great. It's great. So it's from Apple. Of course it's great. And the head of the company is gay. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Anyway, uh, thanks for all the feedback. I appreciate it a lot. As I said, privatecitizen.press, contact link there. Uh, Please send me more feedback. Um, And with that, we've almost, almost reached the end of the show. So yes, uh, very quickly, uh, this podcast operates under under the value for value model, which just means you get it for free. And if you derive any value from it, I ask you to think about what what that value is, and then think about maybe um, giving me some value back. And that could be, uh, you know, producing the show, as in writing in, um, telling me where I was wrong, giving me uh, your opinion, giving me a view from where you are in the world. Um, there's lots of countries we haven't heard from, um, which, you know, I, I like the local viewpoint and it's very important to me, uh, boots on the ground, so to speak. And, um, that's something you could do. You could suggest, uh, people to interview, you could suggest topics, I want to hear about interplanetary file system, something like that. Um, or you could help me out monetarily, which is also very important um, because I'm a freelance journalist, which uh, I can tell you uh, there's there's not much money in, in this kind of thing. I was watching <laughs> my favorite German TV series yesterday, uh, They Let's the Bullet, which is a TV procedural. Um, and there, is this, there was just this, this throwaway line like they were investigating uh, a um a chief editor-in-chief of like a fashion magazine and uh, she had lent somebody twenty-five thousand euros and this was a plot point and uh, the, the one of the guys just goes um yeah 25 25 000 is is a lot of money but not really for an editor-in-chief and me and my wife on the couch 
We're both like literally laughing out loud. We're like, who are these people that think like journalists or like editors in chief make a lot, of, even editors in chief make a lot of money? Like publishers, yes, they make a lot of money. <laughs> it's just hilarious. Anyway, if you want to help out, you can become a patron on Patreon. I use Patreon because it's just easy for me. Um, it's an easy service. It ha- kind of helps me that you know, kind of you sign up and it's a monthly thing. It's something I can rely on a little bit. Um, so I know that when I sit down to prepare the show to do all the work that it's you know getting there getting something back but you can also send uh, one of um support monetary support via paypal i hesitate to call it a donation because in germany it is legally not a donation because you cannot tax deduct it um you can send money to producers at fab.industries uh, and i recently got a french message that was exciting it was all in french i don't know Pepper was like, oh, hello. <laughs> My French is, I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> Bonjour. Uh, somebody sent you uh, some money over PayPal. Uh, it's uh, one of your listeners. And I was I was very happy. Um, <laughs> I love the French, really. Um, they do the best wine um, by far. Uh, anyway, uh, that was very exciting. Um, if, there's, if you want to contribute in another way and I, I can't, I haven't accommodated you, please get in contact and we'll, we'll sort something out, out. Anyway, part of this is because you're doing this and I, you know, I call out everybody who wants to be when they contribute, you know, uh, when they produce the show and send me feedback and stuff like that. But I would also like to mention everybody who, uh, helped out monetarily for this episode. So I'm going to do that now. And, um, those people are Georges, Steve O's, Butterbeans, Jonathan M. Heavy, Michael Mullen Jensen, Dave, Shelby Kruver, Vlad, 1I11G, Jackie Plage, Philip Klostermann, Jaroslav Lichtblau, Michael Small, IKN, Kai Sears, Fadi Mansour, Bennett Piata, Dirk Didi, Joe Poser, Larry Glock, David Potter, Matt Jallyman, Martin, Mika, Tobias, Mode 7, Dave Amrish, Mr. Amish, Avis, Sandman616, Drive Zero, Ricky M, Barry Williams, Jonathan Edwards, Rizal, Captain Eckhead, D, Cam, No Reply, RJ Tracy, Robert Forster, Rick Bragg, and Eric Lillet. Uh, or Eric Lillet. Oh, God. My French is horrible. Um, anyway, yes. Thanks to everybody. Um, as you can tell, a lot of these people also write in and produce the show in other ways. Seems to be um, like the conventional wisdom is like one percent of the listeners of a podcast um like if asked to do something like this they do like you know they send money but i think the people who actually do are very involved here and they also are in contact with me a lot which is great and so some of these are also twitch subscribers as as i said before i'm uh, recording this live on twitch every week on wednesday at some point uh, on a not so fixed schedule <laughs> um, and everybody who subscribes there obviously is helping mon- monetarily as well so uh, for this episode we have Bacon the Pork Brigadier Sir Nils Olaf Flash Gordo Mode 7's Unavailable Mike the Dane Sandman 616 Acherontis 7 Redeemer F and uh, who subscribed earlier Harry Vatana so I'm gonna I, you know you're making more work for me um I'm going to have to put that in as well. Um, Redeemer F and Harry Vatana. Not that I'm complaining. I'm not. Uh, see, and this is why when you do that, thank, thank you, Centurio Apertus, who also just subscribed. Uh, and Centurio 
purchase or also send in some feedback for this episode. So thanks to all of you. I appreciate it. I also have to thank ByteMark at ByteMark.co.uk. They're a UK cloud hosting company and they graciously uh, provide me with the servers I use to distribute the audio files free of charge. And that's obviously very important. Um, and that's it. Uh, I also have to say, uh, give credit to uh, Raul Kabazali who wrote the theme tune for this podcast, which is called Acoustic Roots. And uh, then I have an outro song. It's something I've, I've been doing for a while and uh, it's pretty cool. I like it. Um, so this week we're going to have some jazz. Jazz. Um, it's a song called Inserte. It's probably Danish, then it's in, I don't know what it is. Uh, I'm, I'm pronouncing it Latin. Inserte uh, by Blattwerk. Blood, Blattwerk Band. The Bloodwork Bloodwerk Bang, not the Bloodhound Gang, the Bloodwerk Band. It's a it's a really nice little jazz number that I really enjoyed. Um and that's it for me for today. I'm gonna run now and finish this podcast. And yeah, uh, I mean if you're listening to it on the podcast, you uh, I've already done so and released it. I just want to leave you uh with something um a a, a poet said that he sadly left us a while ago and and way too early but this is something you know when you think about all this covid shit going on um i think we should we should take heart to uh what he said here um stop rolling downhill like a snowball headed for hell stand up for the flag and let's ring the liberty bell let's make a forge and a chevy that still lasts 10 years like it should the best of the free life is still yet to come And the good times ain't over for good.